What's up? We're live. Welcome. <laughs> you guys doing? Whoa, whoa, Graham, you're so big. Why are you so big, Graham? Oh, yeah. It's compensating. Because <laughs> I've been working out. That's why. Ah. <laughs> well, howdy, folks. Uh, welcome in. We're 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 not uh, doing a pre-recorded one. We're doing a live one tonight. And usually, I take the blame for this, but tonight somebody else is taking the blame. Yeah. Who's to blame? Listen, tonight? listen. We want it's it's important for us to uh, to change it up every now and then. We don't. We we saw the comments. Some people like the live streams. They like the interaction. So we want to keep it going. A little bit, and we'll be back. But then we'll be back next week as well. That's a bunch of plant-based baloney right there. I know that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, guys, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Markets coming back. Thank you, uh, right off the bat, to FTX for sponsoring today's episode. uh, The official crypto sponsor of Millennial Money. Here, we appreciate you. We'll tell you a little bit more about FTX a little later in the video. But guys, oh my gosh, okay. Did we go back in time? Because meme stocks are running again. I don't know if you guys have seen, but AMC, GameStop, these sorts of stocks are up 100 plus percent in the past two weeks. Robinhood was up 20 something percent today. The moves in these stocks are pretty darn epic. Are we risk on again? (laughs) Are we risk on again? Because I have one share of AMC. No, wait, that's not true. I have 40 shares of AMC. Wow. Andre, you're rich. I am. I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. Wait. (laughs) I'm still down 44% overall, though. <laughs> Wait, that, reminds me of, uh, that reminds me of my, Do- my Dogecoin investment. Uh, because when I made a video a while ago, I bought one Dogecoin for every like the video got. Or I, I forget what it was. It was like 10 cents for every like or something like that. Uh, and yeah, that's down like 70%. Jeez. I think that was the like Dogecoin is at like 30 or 40 cents. Okay, I have one share of GameStop, two hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, down twelve percent still. But hold on, why are why are they pumping so hard recently? What's going on? You know, that's a big question. Uh, so AMC, there was a uh, you know some some talk that they got more big deals potentially coming. You know, nothing concrete, but more potential game changing deals. All right. Um, also, you know, I think it is, guys. I think it, a lot of it comes down to. Wall Street has a lot of group think and seeing these moves all of a sudden out of nowhere. It's not like magically retail just started buying stocks like crazy. That's not the retail has been buying the dip and has ran out of a lot of capital. What I think it is, is Wall Street get, does a lot of group think. I'm talking about the big fund managers plus the algorithms and how much trading now is done just through computers and artificial intelligence and whatnot. And I think it just it sells off a stocks off way harder than you ever anticipated. And you get down to these prices. It's like, really, this stock is trading at this price. And then next thing you know, it's like, how did this stock just go up 50 percent, 100 percent in a week or two? It's not like the business changed. It's just um, it's just all of a sudden you get under risk on. And I think that's just yeah. a, the market momentum. Yeah. And Robinhood's case, though, the business did somewhat change the fact that they're going to be doing extended, extended hour trading. And I think it'd be quite interesting. If, I, I think almost everyone else is eventually going to get into that. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day we have like 24-7 trading. One day. There's, there's got to be a secondary market. There's got to be enough people right now for the liquidity yeah. to do 24-7 trading. Also, yeah. did you guys see recently AMC bought stake into a Nevada mining company for silver and gold? Yeah, I saw so that. They're, they're diversifying you... their business. They're trying to become a mining company. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I can see that. Yeah. And they bought, like, I think it was 22%. Yeah. Crazy. Of Highcroft or something. So, some kind of a mining yeah. company. 
Nevada, yeah. Silver yeah. and gold. That's interesting. I don't know. If I was an investor of AMC, you know, remember that Warren Buffett quote? It was like something, I forget the quote, but it was about how if a company's fundamental direction changes, that's when investors should be worried. But do you think that's something that's like a good thing or because it's, it's crazy? How do you go from being a movie chain, like movie theater chain to just being a mining company? That's I don't know like what the what the future of movies are going to be. Macy and I went to the movies the other day and we saw Batman on like the weekend it came out. It was supposed to be like a yeah. really busy time. And we yeah. went online to book our seats and we thought like, oh crap, the entire theater is sold out. But I got it wrong when it's blue, it meant that the seat was available. Every single seat was available. And we picked like the next one on a weekend at like 8 p.m. We show up there. We're the only people in the entire movie theater to see Batman. When did you and go? Provided this is in Vegas. What's up? When did you go? Uh, when it came, the weekend it came out. Oh, the weekend it came out. Okay. I, yeah. I, was, I went the same weekend. It was packed where I went. Uh, I don't know. I went. I, I just went to some theater in Las Vegas. But um, I don't know. Every time I've been to the movies, I maybe there have been like a few other people in the entire theater. I don't know hmm. how many people are. I, I mean, I love the experience of going to a movie theater. I just don't know how viable it is. Now, is yeah. it a, is it a possibility that you actually had mistakenly rented out the whole theater, Graham? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I got a good deal for like 20 bucks. And, and <laughs> at least movie theater tickets are coming down. I mean, I remember a while ago. Well, at least in Los Angeles, they're like $18 a ticket. Ooh, hmm. Yeah. Well, so theaters make money for concessions anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Popcorn. Yeah. Gotta get that popcorn. Oh yeah, and then the soda. The soda. You get a popcorn and a soda, and you're you're like thirty dollars deep, and you're like seriously, like <laughs> this is like two dollars to make this, or maybe less than two dollars. Like, come on, man. Well, not nowadays with inflation. They're probably paying the workers back there fifty dollars an hour to make the popcorn. So you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they gotta raise the price of the popcorn. But yeah. I don't know. But but I do think and. At this point, AMC is just going to be a conglomerate of owning a whole bunch of things. And like, that's their front is to be like, yeah, we're the, we, we own movie theaters, but like behind the scenes, they got all these other side businesses going on. Like that one, like the one store that you never know, like, how do they stay in business? But like in the, in the back room, they do all like, you know, the other stuff. So they turn into the next Berkshire Hathaway. They own like railroads, they own Dairy Queen. Imagine that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. What do you guys yeah. think of uh, Biden's new tax proposal? Did you see that? It's not going to pass. It's, no? I, I looked into it. So there's a lot more than, so everyone is only talking about the billionaire, billionaire tax. tax. That's right. That's it. I think it, it's, it's, it's so silly that anyone ever thinks this is actually going to pass. It's not going to pass. I, I think most of it, a lot of it is simply a look, we we're trying. We did our best. It's not our fault it didn't pass, but we tried. That's what it seems like to me. But there are, I think it was 35 different tax increases or um, repeals that were going through that, including a lot of um, uh, a, lo a lot of oil subsidies they're getting rid of, coal subsidies they're getting rid of, um, increasing the personal tax rate to 39.6% for those making above $450,000 as a married couple, 28% corporate tax rate. There's so many things in there. Um, yeah. I would be shocked if even 10% of it passes. I think it's going to be such a watered down version. And realistically, what I think is going to happen is that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is set to expire at the end of 2025. I wouldn't be surprised if 2024 
they really start taking it seriously and figuring out, hey, well, how are we going to extend this or how are we going to keep this going a little bit longer or maybe let's make some adjustments? I would not be surprised. I think the corporate tax rate should should probably go up 23 to 25%. I don't think that would really do much. Um, income tax, I think probably that's going to go back up to the 39.6 and I think that would be reasonable. Um Capital gains tax. I have a feeling they're gonna they they keep trying for the capital gains tax. So I would not be surprised if there's some sort of progressive tax rate. Uh, maybe in the sense that okay, if you make over a million dollars instead of paying twenty, now you pay twenty two. Over five million dollars, now you pay twenty five. Over five, you know, ten million dollars, now you pay twenty eight. Something like that. That's what well, I think is going to happen. The media talks about like taxing billionaires with uh, net worths over a hundred million dollars which is kind of crazy to me because most of their incomes don't even come from personal income. So I don't understand the minimum or who it's trying to target. It just seems like, like at the end of my video, I just said, it, it seems like pandering because it's just time for re-elections coming soon. So it's like, guys, we're trying our best to tax these billionaires, but most people just don't understand that their incomes is not, it's not coming in the same way that we make our incomes. They, most that's of their income from borrowing against their assets. Not, but that's not why borrowing. they get so upset because they pay a lower tax rate than the secretary. Right. So it was like billionaires pay an it was I think it was like an average tax of 8%. Right. But almost all pretty much all of their wealth is tied up in the value of the company that they just happen to own a majority stake in. Right. And they just and, borrow. And, I, and what's up? They just borrow against it and take a dollar salary. Yeah. Yeah. They could. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, so actually yeah. a, a lot of the reasons in this country we don't agree on taxes is because like we're looking at two different metrics. It's like is it what's more valuable to, to people? Is it the person who pays the most in total in taxes, right? Objectively, the number, or is it more valuable or more important to tax people based on their relative income, right? Based on the relativity of what they are making. In other words, some people are saying, well, like, for example, the wealthy, even though they may pay a lower tax rate of 8%, like Graham just mentioned, they're still paying substantially more when you look at it as a whole number. Right. Does that make sense so far? Whereas yeah. like, for example, if you're a person making hundred thousand dollars a year and your tax rate is 30%, you're paying 30,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If you're making a million dollars a year and your effective tax rate is 10%, even though your effective tax rate is lower, you're paying three times the amount because you're paying a hundred thousand a year. So, you know, people that are not wealthy are saying, well, the wealthy are paying less and the wealthy people are like, no, we're paying more. So we're looking at like two different numbers. And I've always found, found that fascinating because no one can agree on which one's more important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, some folks look at it and they're like, I shouldn't pay more of a percent of what I make than this rich guy. It's like goes back to the Warren Buffett pays less than a secretary on a, on a percent basis. And so right. I understand people get get, um, you know, frustrated with it, though, because, yeah, if you're the person that makes 50K a year and you're like, how do I pay less of a percent? Then this guy that has a net worth of three billion dollars, and you're like, seriously, man. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I can understand that concept. You know, taxes is just a messy thing. I thought I paid in the right amount. Now I owe the IRS another hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. I'm like, what the crap, man? I thought I paid you guys enough. Hey, already. Jeremy, isn't that a good thing? Doesn't that mean you made more <laughs> money? <laughs> yeah, made yeah, money. You forgot about Jeremy. Oh yeah, I love paying the IRS. It's so fun. I'm like, where, where do I send the money, guys? I'll send it. I'll send it. Oh man, but uh, yeah, it makes me think. Have you guys ever heard of the concept that taxation is theft? Have you ever heard that concept before? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inflation, inflation is another invisible theft one, right? But taxation is another one. Um, yeah. Inflation is much more favorable to governments than, than taxation. That's like their last resort, right? Yeah. To me, yeah. it just feels like it, that's the, that's the easiest way to solve a problem is just more tax. But um, where I think the tax should really be appropriated, at least a lot more than it currently is, is some people might disagree, but I think the IRS. I think they're so just understaffed, underpaid. The fact that uh, only 3% of calls to the IRS actually get answered, 3%. And so if they want to expand the tax code, they're going to make it not only more complicated, but the, the resources the IRS needs to keep up with that is it, the funding's not there. So I would say like fund the IRS. That's, so, that's, <laughs> yeah. Graham's on the fund, fund the IRS and now there's other people that are defund the IRS. So, so they've just, listen, they've already uh, been defunded. How much so, more do you take away from that? I mean, they're already underfunded. Yeah. One thing I'll say is there's there's very few things that the government could ever fund and get a positive ROI on. And the one of the only ones, if not the only one, is the IRS. That's like one of the only things that if you spend uh, $100,000, you're going to get more than $100,000 back from that funding. But at the same time, people just don't like that feeling of big brother about like, you know, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if my taxes weren't done right and those sorts of things. So um it's, it's, it goes back to like freedom and policing and those sorts of things. And I think there's been a big pushback against all this recently from the government side, right? Uh, policing, obviously, we've seen what's played out there, especially during the, the pandemic and all the riots and those sorts of things. And then obviously, uh, you know, you, there's always pushback against the IRS because people feel like it's big brother over my shoulder trying to get me in trouble, trying to take my money, um, trying to take my rights away or whatever. And, and, um, it's, it's always just a pushback against it. And I don't know, I can't say it's a bad thing. Um, you know, people always take it to the extremes, but uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's no, it's no fun when you get that, that check and you, you, all that money's taken out and you're like, seriously, man, I'm already getting hit with rents going up 30%. I'm already getting hit with foods way more expensive, already getting hit with all this. And then now I got the IRS taking all this money. So I think that's how a lot of people view it. And I sympathize with that because the average person makes what 50 K a year or so. You know, out of that 50K, you know, you got uh, almost half of it going to rent or, or whatever. And then you got groceries going up. You got gas prices going up and then you get your, your tax. Right. And it's like, ugh, come on, man. Come on. So, that makes sense. Uh, uh, gosh. So did you guys remember talking about the commodity crisis um, last? I think it was last week when I talked about Zoltan Posar, that one guy. We talked about uh, how commodity prices with the Russian... Uh, sanctions would affect a lot of the markets. And then just recently for, for anybody who uh, didn't tune in to the last one. Oh gosh. Okay. So, so Zoltan Postar is a, a really important person in, in the sense that he was uh, the point man for um, lead white house officials for the U S uh, treasury department for the federal reserve in New York. Like he's a relatively young guy, but he's the dude that a lot of the smart finance people go to to ask for advice on what's going to happen to the economy. And he published a paper called the, um, uh, what was the Bretton Woods 3.0, which is where he talked about the commodity crisis. And he said that I, he can't explain in the paper exactly what the ramifications will be because we've never been in a position like this. But he talked about how when you sanction Russia, which is a very commodity rich country, 
you effectively cut off circulation, like kind of blood to, you know, one part of your body because, and, and you can't expect to do that. You can't say like, oh, let me cut off the blood uh, from my hand and then not expect the rest of your body to be affected by that as well. So when you cut off commodity prices from a, a rich country like Russia, even though Russia is not even in the top 10 of commodity exporters, they are some of the most important exporters of like gas and oil, um, like wheat, some, some other commodities as well. And uh, coffee? No, coffee beans? No, no, it's a, it's a special Tesla glass that Mr. Graham got me a while back. So I, I, I yeah. just remember thinking it. Thank you, Graham. Appreciate that. So, so basically he says, um, by cutting off Russia, we're going to increase volatility in the market, right? And so just recently, I don't know if you guys read a few articles coming out today, that there's going to be probably a food shortage in uh, um, for people. So that'll be interesting to see if it plays out. But I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, I don't think we've, we're feeling it yet, but that would be kind of crazy. So if, if there's going to be food shortages, then guess what? More inflation. So um, yeah, I'm not like predict a doom thing that's like you know bad things are coming i'm just saying that was kind of an interesting paper take a look at it if you have time it's called Bretton woods 3.0 um but yeah appreciate that andre yeah we, we definitely uh need this rate of inflation to chill out man <laughs> you know definitely for, for the middle class because it's just been awful you know uh, um and i got a video oh, you'll go ahead andre if, if this bill passes with joe biden a lot of people are predicting there's gonna be a lot more inflation right because you're spending yeah. a lot more so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to pass. I don't think it's going to pass. Something. I, I think there'll be something. I don't think it's going to be this, though. At least not the way it's currently written. Yeah. Some version of some capital gains tax increases will pass at some point, but it's definitely not like unrealized capital gains, which they've tried before. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Could you guys no. imagine? Imagine one of your stocks, like you're watching your, your stock, like Jeremy, you're a um, tattooed chef, right? And you're up on it like 100%. Could you imagine being taxed on that unrealized gain? And then like the next week, the market tanks. Like, well, how do you, so, how do you so, Andre, so, so what they're doing, it's so complicated how they're structuring it. But what they want to do is they want to structure what you would owe payable over nine years. So right. that way, let's just say you owe $900,000, 100 grand a year over nine years. Let me, so that way, right let me stop you right there. When they say, oh, what do you mean? Oh, like, how do you owe it if it's unrealized? So that's what I'm saying. So if they're going to tax you, let's just say they tax unrealized gains, right? Every year you're saying? Yes, every year. At the yeah. end of the year, you've made $900,000 on paper. Right. They would say, okay, um, you're going to be taxed, whatever that amount is, over nine years. Mm -hmm. So if, it's, if you owe 900 grand, you owe $100,000 a year for nine years. But that also means that the next year, if your investment goes down, you would be able to subtract that from the total amount. So it's meant to kind of soften it so that you're not paying all this money up front, your investment declines. And then, but so that's kind of how it's written um, because it's, it's trying to prevent people from selling off and then, uh, you know, their, their stock price crashes, but it's, it's so complicated. It's like a nightmare. <laughs> like it's, exactly. it's, it's an accounting nightmare that to me is it's, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah. 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 Andre, I, I got to say, you know, you got me very excited when you said, imagine <laughs> tattoo staff up 100%. I was just salivating. I was like, I could only imagine that day. In the next 20 years, man, it's going to happen. I'm going to be up 100%. You just wait. So, no, but it, it, so, yeah. you're like a million shares. 
Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's probably too many. It's a lot. So yeah. in regards to taxes, because I think it was an important subject, where are we at with taxes on cryptocurrencies, Andre? Can you just get us up to date? Because obviously I don't follow, follow it very closely, but just like where's the, the tax situation in regards to cryptocurrencies? I have not followed that very closely personally, uh, but to be a, to be fair, I haven't sold any crypto really. So I don't know. I mean, what is it? Okay. It's just the standard long-term, short-term. I, I haven't seen any updates to that. I don't okay. Know. So, so let, let's, let's say somebody buys Bitcoin right now. They sell it tomorrow. Yeah. They make a hundred bucks. Do yeah, you're paying short-term capital gains taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Short-term. Okay. And yeah. so the, basically the way that it's structured right now is similar to stocks is what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. Because okay. yeah. wasn't there a time period where you didn't have to pay anything if you had a gain on crypto? Like I mean, you, technically you were always supposed to pay, but you, you could never not pay, right? If they found out or if they audited you, but yeah, the, you're right. There was no rules before, but now that's not the case. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing with this is that they really leave this up to you to report. And I was actually surprised just how difficult it was to get my tax logs of any crypto uh, for 2021. I was shocked. I thought it was going to be, first of all, I thought that there would be a statement like Charles Schwab or Robin Hood or all these, they give you a statement at the end of the year. They say, here's what we have on record for you. They list everything that you bought, sold, the tax basis. They give you a little thing at the bottom that doesn't exist for crypto. They, they leave that to you. And so there are softwares out there and, and different companies that you could use that basically aggregate the data and they come up with it for you. But it's, I mean, I got this like 64 page report uh, with a little tiny font of just like my crypto activity. And it wasn't even that much. It's just like I've been averaging. It's complicated. From FTX or from where? No, that was from, uh, well, it was, it's from a, uh, someone else on okay. right. Yeah. Uh, so, so Jeremy, this, I believe this year, there's going to be a new little box. I don't know if you saw it where you can check market and it says, I, I believe it asks like, have you had any crypto activity? Have you sold any crypto this year? Um, and you can check market. And so that way you're kind of going to be on the radar, which is kind of interesting as Graham was saying, and they kind of leave it up to you. So I imagine if you do check it, um, you're going to be put on some list where it's like okay cool now we know at least this person has activity you know in the crypto industry but yeah. it's my, very self-regulated right now yeah my guess because because the thing is that nothing is reported to the irs as far as i'm aware so if you if you make a million dollars uh a crypto exchange is not legally obligated and i could be totally wrong here they're not they're, they're obligated to to get your information so they have your social your name your driver's license address they have all your information on record but i don't believe it's a reporting requirement yet and it should be um so like yeah I, i'm not sure about that because i feel like with with publicly traded companies that may not be the case I, I'm, I mean, I didn't get anything. And when I w went through my statements, I mean, they just, it's, it's a, it's a mess. Okay. So, well, let's hope, let's hope 
that FTX, our sponsor for today, is the first ones to really uh, put something great together so we can easily track all our moves we're making in the market. And uh, with no fixed fees like FTX has, Graham, you want to tell us a little bit about FTX, our sponsor? Absolutely, today? guys. We got to use FTX. Link down below in the description. They're the number one U.S. regulated crypto exchange in the world with more than 6 million users who buy, sell, track, and trade both NFTs and crypto all from your phone in one place with fees that are lower than the competition. They've also just recently partnered with Steph Curry, Tom Brady, the Miami Heat Stadium. They got a crypto debit card that's used throughout millions of merchants worldwide. And I used to track my crypto with them back in 2016, 2017. Um, and you could track over 10,000 different cryptocurrencies. Again, it's, it's all right on your phone. So if you use the link down below in the description, you could get free crypto on every single trade you make over $10. You may as well do that. It's pretty much like free money. It's a really good deal. And actually, uh, I think, I think they're giving away NFTs this month in March. You just got to use the code March NFT. And they're also giving away five Coachella tickets. So Plenty of opportunities there. And again, the link is down below in the description. Yeah. And, you know, you were mentioning some people there, Steph Curry, Tom Brady, uh, you know, but I think you missed that. The biggest name that, uh, you know, this person, FTX just came, became the official sponsor of them. And that's Jeremy Lefave. So uh, oh. it is now that FTX is Jeremy. now the official crypto sponsor. Go, so <laughs> we appreciate you, FTX, as always. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Thank you for making this possible. Now, uh, in regards to crypto, Bitcoin has been moving. Uh, I mean, I, I checked, I think it was a day or two ago, 48. And I'm like, geez, was it not just 38? Like, you know, a snap of fingers ago. But then again, the stock market's moving. Bitcoin's moving. Um, I'd love to check Bitcoin price right now and see where we're at there. But what's going on there, Andre? Just, you know, just normal stuff? Normal stuff. Bitcoin doing its thing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 40, 47 there. Okay. Hey. Yeah, yeah, use use FTX there, uh, Mr. Alex. Okay, hey man. Mm -hmm. But uh, thank thank you for that. Yeah, forty seven. So where's it? What's Ethereum at now? Do we know Ethereum still thirty two hundred? Andre, do you even track this stuff on a daily basis? I don't. I feel like you don't even know. Wow, respect, I man. I don't. Yeah, because I, I used to care, but then it's no, I don't respect. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I say this stuff and I'm like, I feel like you're like, ah, I don't even know respect. So me, there we go. There's our FTX baby. So. Uh, you know, with me, uh, even though I'm a long-term investor in stocks, I still, I still feel like I have to look every day and maybe it's not the healthiest, but I feel like I, I check stocks at least once to twice a day. So, no. but I, I will say when I was, uh, when I had, I would call it almost stock market addiction, which was, I was really bad from about 20, uh, 2013 through about 2015, I mm. would check stock prices a hundred plus times in a day. Wow. In a day. Yeah, it was it was insane. And so, uh, you know, and I remember even being at work and like, you know, if I got a chance to get away, I would like, you know, pull up my app and like see, see what stocks were, were moving at. And, and in hindsight, it was all for nothing. Right. Because it's not like I was doing trading stocks. It's not like I needed to see, oh, it's a stock at 47 right now or 48. And it's just, uh, you know, like, like a compulsive habit, I guess you can say, where you just feel like you got to look, you got to look. And I remember when I I wasn't I took a year off from everything. This was in. Uh, I left Quick Trip in 2014 and I didn't do anything for about a year. And I would just have one of my big iPads on like this little stand and have whatever app I was using at that time. I think it was Stock Tracker with all my stocks just constantly open. So the iPad never shut off, connect it. 
for no reason. Like when looking back, it's so stupid. And just like all the stocks ticking and be like, Ooh, Ooh, it just went up 1%. Ooh, it's down a half a percent now. And it's like, does looking at the price every day inform your decision on like what to do about it? Do you buy more? Do you sell? Do you like if, does it inform your decision in any way following it, it for for me no it didn't because i was a long-term investor so if it's moving a, a percent two percent it's not like i'm making a move but what i will say is it made me want to make moves more often and that's where mm. i got in trouble in 2015 because mm. by i would i would try have cnbc on all day i had this little office room i had a three-bedroom apartment one of them i turned into like an office and i would have cnbc on all day i would just sit at this desk I had my iPad open and just like watching CNBC, uh, you know, like listening to conference calls, watching all the stock prices. And when I wasn't doing that, I was playing Clash of Clans. And what a life, man. I'm telling you, it wasn't healthy. <laughs> That's why I don't read YouTube comments because they don't inform what I do. So it doesn't make sense. Oh, I, I don't know. To me, it does. I read, listen, I read all the comments and I honestly, some, sometimes I get my best video ideas from reading the comments. Yeah, and I will read them in the first 30 minutes of posting. And then after that, I stop checking because it's oh, just unhealthy. No, see, I always check the first hour. Yeah. Then I'll check the next day for the top comments just to see what's mm -hmm. boosted up to the top. It also gives me a good opportunity to delete the spam where they just like bought the comment to the top and mm -hmm. try to delete those. But uh, you get some really not only good feedback, but also good video topics because someone mm -hmm. will say, Graham, this is cool. But that leads me to this, right? I just saw this. What do you think of it? So mm. you really get like, if, if someone mentions or if like multiple people mention the same thing in 24 hours, it's a good topic. To oh, I got an interesting uh, question for you guys. What's one video that maybe or a video idea that you wish was a subject you could talk about, but you feel like it would do so poorly on your channel and views wise that you're like, oh, I probably, I probably can't do that you know, it's too niche or something like that. Like, I'd love to talk about this, but I like, it's too boring of a subject or something like that. Anything come to mind there? Yeah. Real estate for me, I'd love to do more real estate stuff. Cause I think it's so fun to like do walkthroughs or just anything to do with real estate. I think it's so fun, but nobody, nobody cares. And it makes sense. Why not? Because it's a local market. It's like, it doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't live in Vegas. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't live in the U S maybe. So yeah. Andre, I think that's a great opportunity for you to start a second channel, man. I, I think it yeah. is. You know, it's a great outlet because otherwise you're going to constantly kind of have that in the back of your mind. Like, oh, I wish I could do this, but I'm stuck almost like you're in jail. Like I can only post this type of content um, that starting a second channel is kind of that opportunity to just like, hey, I'm going to post some real estate. If it, no one watches it and like 10,000 people watch it, who cares? Yeah. So it's not going to hurt you in the algorithm, you know? That's true. So, that's true. I feel like I've gotten already though so that having a second channel is like i don't know how you guys do it with multiple channels yeah um, well crazy. for that i think for that andre i think it would just be your your expectations would be lower it's not like a, a typical andre channel uh, video where it, you're spending all this time scripting it all this mm. time making fancy edits it would just be much more laid back content um because there's no like i derive my enjoyment from not necessarily constantly filming or like just doing stuff like i i, mm. I not doing something just to go to the movies go to the sauna like just anything going to the gym just having a personal life i think is so much more valuable because i think it, it makes my content that much better to let it inspire from real life and if i'm like too in it i'm always constantly on the internet and it's it just it i think it's draining and then it, it reflects back on people's videos when they're like too thinly stretched it's like ah dude just slow down think about what you want to make you know go inspire yourself 
And I, that's just more valuable to me. I, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. so you're saying it might drain you of more energy that you could potentially hurt your main channel in a situation yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. having a healthy lifestyle makes your channel healthier generally. Like you make better videos, you're happier because you have that better work-life balance versus mm -hmm. like making five other channels that are probably not a good use of time or like not a good return financially. So it's mm -hmm. like, like, what's the point? Yeah, you're yeah. spending more time, you, you're creating more, but is it is it rewarding you the same or like what you're you're putting into it? I don't know. Yeah, I agree, I agree with Andre on that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Graham, is there any type of video content that you wish you could do on, on your channel that you just know it would flop? I don't know, Late, you know what, you know what it is? Um, the best and worst bank accounts. Mm. That for me, every, Lately, it seems like the, the credit card videos that I make, the bank account videos, the reviews that used to do really well are not doing as well. And they take they take probably three times more work to make one of those videos than anything else. Yeah. So there's a lot of work that goes into the, uh, those videos. I thought about maybe doing like a worst bank accounts video. Yeah. And it's, it's going to take so long for me to make it. It's, it's, is it worth the risk? Maybe. Probably going to end up doing it at some point. But it's like... I. I got to post that on a day where it's really slow. Mm. If there's <laughs> nothing going on for like a week or two, then that's my chance. Get that one out there. No, so that's down. a good one. That's a really good one. Because I feel like I remember wanting to do Amex Platinum reviews or just like the, the Centurion Lounge review. It's just yeah. like nobody nobody watches those. But I think those are so fun to like go out in the field and get some cool stuff and make reviews. But it's just they don't get views. So, so now, Graham, whenever you do that video, everybody's going to be commenting, slow day, huh, Graham? Slow day. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny um, when I post because I post one evergreen video. I try to usually one evergreen every week. And if I post two, I, I do get the comments. Oh, this is a slow week. This is bad. If Brand did two evergreen videos this week. And it's like, I know they're right. But the fact that they know this and and they and they they're aware that's like this is an evergreen video. It's going to long tail and they see it is like, wow, how many people are aware of like the strategy behind it. Graham, I feel like I've seen this one from you before. You're rehashing all that. Yeah. But you know what? And and that's and that's the, the really difficult part because uh, the way the algorithm works is that it 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 never recommends the oldest content. It's right. so so if you're if you're new to the channel and you haven't been subscribed for more than a year, uh, the videos posted over a year ago never show up. So they constantly need to be updated and like yeah made relevant again for 2022 to reach a new audience again <laughs> so there is an element where it's like yeah you have to go through yeah. uh redo those videos but I, I try to make i just try to update them you know so that way it's not like 2017 yeah. you know, I'll make it relevant for today and you know let me retitle this one how to invest 2023 oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was always listen that used to be, and it was the biggest joke that every YouTube channel between every December and January would redo all of their videos, but put like 2023 in the title, 2022. And I remember for myself too, it was like the biggest like breath of fresh air because like, ah, oh, for the next month, I don't got to worry about content because it's like, I can just redo these videos 2022. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, yeah. and, and in February, you run out and be like, ah, I got to figure something else out. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube for, for me. Oh, go ahead, Andre. What about you, Jeremy? What kind of content do you want to make that you're like, oh, I don't know? Oh man, I make every, I make almost everything. So uh, for me, it, it's it's not really anything like that. Um, you know, to be honest, because I just put out so much content. So if I want to yeah. speak about it, you, you know what I wish we we didn't see on on YouTube ever, just like feuds and like bickering amongst creators, because I feel like the space is so small, and like and sometimes like I'll watch your video, Jeremy, about someone that you'll make a video about, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I didn't, I don't know who this creator is, and then I'll watch it, and they're like quitting for some reason. And I'm like, wait, what? I didn't even, I don't know who this person is. And then I, I, I watched the video, but it just seems so petty in terms of like, like because our world is so small. And then when mm -hmm. you get down to like the analytics of it, like investors arguing about how and where to put their money just seems so silly to me. Because it's like, it's like having an opinion about a dude's opinion. It's like, it's like trying to argue about someone like, well, how dare you not like bananas more than strawberries? That's so shameful of you. How could you? And it's just yeah. it's like such a small industry. I feel like everybody could get along, but it's like everyone is fighting about not timing the market, timing the market. It's, it seems so silly to me. Yeah, I think, you know, what it comes down to is I think this happens in every YouTube space where essentially, you know, uh, there ends up being uh, disagreements and, and fights and some behind the scenes, some public, you know, and it's just, it's kind of the way it goes. Um, and, and I, I don't know if there's any way of, of not having it happen. And people disagree sometimes, right, on different subjects or different matters or the best way to approach things. I think when it's handled maturely, I don't think there's anything wrong with it if it's handled in a mature way. When, when people start name calling, uh, in those sorts of things, that's taking it way and get aggressive. That's that's taking it way overboard, right? But if it's handled in a mature way, I don't think there's any any problem with uh, you know disagreeing in a mature way and talking about your points versus this points and things like that. Um, in the stock market community, people disagree on stocks all the time. Now, some disagree in a very disrespectful manner. That's obviously wrong, um, you know, putting people down from that community or whatever. And some can debate it out in a very mature way. And so. You know, there's a way there's a way of handling it that I think is really, really important. I, I will say that. And I have no issue personally with people having disagreements. You just got to handle it in a mature way. So that, that's my which, two which it seems like it, it never really is like everybody just kind of, you know, just gets down to the low sometimes. And, and it just makes me kind of think like every, everyone in every industry has their own little drama. And I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes we lose ourselves in our own little bubble that. It just, I don't know. I feel like when it comes to showing people a, a better path, it's better to always focus on the positive of like doing it differently that, that encourages somebody. Cause like if I'm, if I'm watching your channel, right. Or, or Kevin's or whoever's, I'm like, I love this guy's perspective on real estate or stocks or whatever. And like one day he makes a video about some dude. I'm like, I've never seen. I'm just like, what is like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make me think higher of the person I love to watch. It makes me think less of them, not more of them for like addressing drama that doesn't seem like it's worth anybody's time. Yeah. Yeah. If it's just drama for drama's sake, then, you know, that is yeah. a little crazy. <laughs> so, but um, no, I mean, yeah, 
you know, in the, in the sports world, people have disagreements all the time. You know, it's, it's very popular to watch. You know, I, I used to be super in the sports community and watch like first take and, and different shows where people debate about subjects and, you know, which player's better and, you know, which, which you know, uh, what, what the coach messed up on in this game and things like that. And it's fun. But once again, it goes back to is it handled in a mature way, the disagreement, um, or is it handled in an immature way? And mm. I think that's what it comes down to. Is it handled, cla- you know, in, in, a, in a classy way or is it handled in kind of a because there's there's two ways you can take it. Right. Let's say we're, we're debating about, you know, if Bitcoin's better or Ethereum, you know, we can we can shout at each other. We can put each other down in those sorts of things. Or we can talk about kind of the pros of this. And you talk about the pros of, of Bitcoin. I'm like, well, I think Ethereum's actually has more upside because of dot, dot, dot. you can handle it in a mature way. It's just that's that's what it comes yeah. down to. I feel like handling it in a mature way, though, is to reach out to the creator privately and be like, hey, dude, here's you know, here's my perspective on it. You know, I'd love to talk to you personally, which is like there's there's there have been so many creators that have made videos about something I've said or something I've done. And I just I don't watch it. I don't, like if you want to reach out to me and speak to me about it, I'd, I'd love to engage. But like otherwise making it public and then making it sometimes vitriolic, especially in the comment section, like it always devolves into that. It just does. It's like, why bother? Just just have just settle it privately. Otherwise, if you do it publicly, it's just like inviting negativity into things yeah i don't know if you got any perspective on that graham i feel like that i, I said try to, so. i try to stay out of it yeah <laughs> I, I agree yeah i just don't bother with it it's a smarter financial decision to stay out of it all i will I say that so. i i don't know about that i feel like it, a lot yeah. of creators will go back and forth and be like yeah. drama's juicy it's like ooh, it let's get people yeah you know? i would say from a it, yeah. you know what it is it's a short-term boost exactly yeah. that's all it's like instead of training and like building up your endurance, it's like, hey, let me drink 10 coffees. And yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, but then afterwards, it's you're going to have that crash. I feel like it's a, it's a short term boost. Long term, it, it's it's either going to be the same or negative. I, I just can't see how a lot of this would help to, to be right. to be the the cause in the long run. So that's why I'm just like, well, I've just found it's better just stay on track focus on yourself i've yeah. just done that and uh so far that's that's been the best for me but but yeah i mean in the short term you know it's what are you gonna do you miss out in the short term yeah and in the in the stock market community it's a it's a very it's a very um competitive very um you know, that's just the way the stock market is. And it, it happens with people. You know, there's a lot of hate for stocks. For instance, you go on a, a Tesla message board, for instance, right? You are going to find so much hate and not even from people that are short sellers, just people that literally they want to see Tesla stock price go down because they believe it's too high and those sorts of things. And so naturally, especially in the stock market community, if you have a community filled with folks that are like that, you're it's you're going to it's going to happen more. If you're talking about passive income or, the, you know, the best bank accounts or credit cards, there ain't no drama there. But when you go to the stock market community, you know, that's a different bunch. That's a different bunch. You know uh, it's almost here's the thing though if the stock goes down you just didn't wait long enough but everyone could say you lost money and it's yeah. just and 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 the, the time period could be indefinite you could be like well i'm gonna lose money for five years but year six just wait <laughs> and so it just creates this like you can't prove anybody right or wrong it's very difficult very unless cute. you're looking at one time to another and like that's it like one year you have then we that's could 
that's a great point. I, I like I like that point, Graham. I think I think that's absolutely true. And I think to add to that, Jeremy, you know what I think it is? I think bottom line, um, and I'm not accusing anybody of doing this, but I just feel like whenever creators have opinions about like specifically other creators, especially and like talk negatively or make videos about them. I think it's the lazy approach to anything in life because I think the lowest hanging fruit is always like, hey, listen, this this topic of finance is extremely complex and nuanced. Rather than spending hours and hours preparing for the video, filming it and editing it and like making it entertaining and fun, like that's a lot of work. You know what? I don't know. But you know what's easy? To have an opinion about something. Like just let me talk about this thing. This is way easier to do. I'm going to skip the research. I'm going to skip all this other stuff that takes people dozens of hours to do. It's way easier to let me comment on what this guy did or what he said. And it's just so much easier to produce content like that, which in the short term, like Graham said, is very rewarding. But in the long term is either neutral or just going to end up hurting you anyway. So like no. that's why I, my approach has just always been like just focus on making great content and it takes a lot of work. It's really hard. And I feel like sometimes creators skip that and they just go straight to, I'm going to have an opinion on this thing. That's way easy. Turn on the camera. Let me talk. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah 100%. And I think there's a lot of channels on the come up right now that are, are going with that approach. They are. Um, they're not going they're with growing. that approach. Yeah. And they're growing yeah. really fast. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like that, that limit, like that's short term, it's very rewarding. But in the long term, you hit a cap so fast. And, and, well, and it's also just mentally so draining to have that audience and to have like that. Yeah, But uh, I mean, that's the, that's the evolution of YouTube. So I, I really don't get frustrated by it because I'm not going to change it anyways. And I understand your, your points and you're making a lot of great points there, Andre. But that's just the evolution of YouTube. Every single space had that happen in some some, you know, the bigger the space was gaming or whatever. Um, you know, remember like when Jake Paul and race gum and all those guys were popular and how many people were doing reaction videos to them and, you know, no. had an opinion and elusive Violet did this, you know, that's the YouTube space, man. Oh, can you believe what Logan Paul just did? You know, that's, yeah. the, that's YouTube. And so, you know, as finance has grown, we've matured, um, as a community and we get a lot of views for relative compared to, you know, like, like how, how niche the space is. Right. And mm -hmm. so. I think it's just part of the, the evolution of YouTube. And so um, I've always expected it to get to this place. I feel like everything, I, I've kind of already played this out in my mind, how all this was going to play out. And it's playing out exactly how I thought it was going to play out. And right. uh, But yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the points you make, Andre, no, no doubt. And if that's all you have to bring to the table, um, you know, there's not, there's definitely not longevity there, I guess you can right, say. Right, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Longevity no. is just gone. Because like out of all the people we t like that we've watched, the Logan Pauls, those guys, they're still around. But the people mm -hmm. that made was about what they were doing or what they thought of them i don't remember a single person so it's like yeah. in finance that the way i'm trying to relate it to creators is like because the space is so small i just wish people spent more time showing people a better path to managing their money or investing or whatever enlightening people entertaining them whatever it could be it could be lighthearted, rather mm -hmm. than like well let me just, whatever just make a video talking bad about you for no reason it's just like, yeah it's not it's not productive it doesn't get yeah. you anywhere no, yeah. no, true. Well, it gets you somewhere short term, but yeah, the longevity is just not there unless you can get the silver play button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah. So if you, guys, let's take some Q and A and see if we got any uh, questions from uh, the live chat here. Members yeah. only. Shout out to the members only club. We appreciate you guys joining us. Each yeah, by the way, week. I do want to mention you're talking about video ideas that I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure about. 
the one video idea that I that I've thought about is doing some sort of like a, a my own Shark Tank. Um, but I've, I've looked into it. the The amount of production it would take is just through the roof. Since I film at my house, inviting people over to my house that I don't know to pitch a business idea, uh, it's in the back of my mind. But that was one of the ideas that's like. It's going to take weeks of filming and prep, so I don't know if it balances there. If nobody watches it, but not to mention the amount of like money it would take. That would that would that would be a lot to like keep it going. I, I could limit it. To, I could limit it to a hundred grand, uh, you know, or or up to a hundred thousand dollars per video. I mean, the, the chance of me finding the chance of me finding you know five people where I want to invest a hundred grand over a month, like I don't think that's going to happen. But I wouldn't. Listen, I think for the right business, I gladly invest a hundred grand. Now, now imagine if we yeah. created—I don't know—the SEC wouldn't like that. Never mind. But I was gonna say, imagine if you created a crypto though, and like those tokens, and if they had any value to them, and you could invest that in the people, that would be kind of interesting, because then it wouldn't necessarily be like dollar capital; it would be crypto capital. But that—that's a, a much more useful use of like money than what I've seen people do. Yeah. Yeah, I've always I've always found it very interesting to to bet on the person. Yeah. be like hey here's here's half a million dollars but i want 10 percent of everything you make for the next 20 years like something like that um, yeah but i don't know find finding that right person who's willing to do that because sometimes i feel like if a person is that good they know their worth and they're not and they're not going to let it go uh well don't you think sometimes that if you did that that would also negatively incentivize them to be productive in the future it's like well dude i'm, I'm i've worked so hard and i've made all this money and this yeah. dude is taking ten percent of everything just because Absolutely. of when I started. It's yeah. Like, I I think the more successful they become, the more resentful they'll become at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So it's so many just you never know about that. But uh, hey, you know what? If if the right person comes along, it's like Graham, half a million bucks and ten percent. But I don't know. <laughs> so I remember it. that Reddit thread you posted when you first started YouTube of like. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to invest in people and I didn't want to do YouTube, but I wanted to give people money that I thought were had had potential. And I think you named a couple creators and none of them, I think, still create nope. to this day. None of them. Not one single creator. And I listed like, I don't know, eight of them that yeah. were really big back in 2013-ish, 14. None of them. All of them have fallen off and stopped creating. Um, yeah. It, it's, but Graham... It's, yeah. Flex on us, flex on us. Tell us the type of creators that have taken the Creator Academy course before, okay? We oh. wait to hear that. Give us yeah. a big flex here. So, um, so yeah, so now I got three channels who have taken the YouTube Creator Academy that I know of, 100% that have hit over a million subscribers because of the YouTube Creator Academy. Uh, the first one was Enes uh, Ilmeiser, who does the real estate property tours. And I met him, uh, this is right when I really first launched that YouTube Creator Academy. He found me at an open house that I was hosting in West Hollywood, walked in, introduced himself, said he took the, uh, took the thing and uh, was telling me about it. And I really liked him. And immediately I could tell how motivated he was. And, mm. and I never do like in-person consulting, but I gave him my number, we kept in touch. And uh, I met up with him like six months later and he was just about to hit 100,000 subscribers. That's and so cool. we talked about strategy, whatnot, but anyway, He's one, Jake Tran was another one. And yep. he was one of my first ever testimonials. Uh, when he hit, I think it was a thousand subscribers. Uh, and now we just hit a million. And then Tasting History with Max Miller. 
was another one. Just also hit a million subscribers. So those are the three that I know of that I've kept in close contact with and we talk all the time. That's so I'm, cool. I wouldn't be surprised if there are others that just have taken it, but it's been more of like, you know, a background thing, you know, it's like, but they were going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, those are the three that I know of that I've kept in contact with and all three of them have done incredibly well. And to see Jake Tran is, is to me, one of the most surprising. Cause like, and as I, I, you know, he's so disciplined in his work ethic, but Jake Tran, I know how long it takes to plan those types of videos and to, to have those ideas with that sort of accuracy, with that sort of entertainment, three to four times a week is, I don't know how he does it. I'll be honest. I don't know how, I, I know he has a good team behind him, but those videos are, are perfect. I love them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, the views are crazy. You know, Ennis gets crazy views. Jake Tran gets crazy views, man. It's unbelievable. I don't, I've never heard of that other channel, so I can't really comment on that. But yeah, the, the view counts that those gentlemen get are just yeah. fun. Oh, look at this. We got Humphrey Yang in the chat. Hey, Humphrey. We're talking to maybe get, you know, at some point in the future, we'll get Humphrey on the uh, on the podcast. Thank yeah. you so much for joining, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, for those of yeah. you know, Humphrey is, uh, has an amazing TikTok where he talks about personal finance, making money. Uh, so I highly recommend for anyone who's on TikTok, just add Humphrey Yang. And he says that he also joined your course there, Graham. So Ooh. that's cool. <laughs> that's wow. cool. Sp uh, not sponsored by the YouTube Creator Academy. I don't even have a link down below in the description. So anyway. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Got to gotta show roses, you know, when you can. We're not getting too many questions out here tonight. I guess member chat doesn't doesn't have any questions for us supposedly it's it's pretty unbelievable but uh yeah i agree andre earlier about dming drama privately to be honest he says okay um yeah q a time guys so if you got any questions for us feel free to fire away oh this this is one what are your thoughts about another great depression at the end of 2028, I have heard theory that some bears say historically depressions every hundred years. Oh boy. I'll let you guys take that one. Well, I haven't done enough research on this to see if there's a cyclical period for recession or uh, for sorry, depressions. It's a 100 year moving average. <laughs> yeah, it's the 100 year moving average line. You know, you know, you know what's crazy is that we had the uh the pandemic about a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um that would be uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past us. I and mean, we have another, like an another 1928 sort of depression and I, you know, in 2028, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything is possible, but I, I gotta do research on that. If there is some sort of like hundred year period for depression. Let me, let me ask you guys this. If you had to put odds on it, what are the odds that within the next 12 months you think we end up in a recession? Not depression, but a recession. Probably, I, I think like 50 to 80%. I don't think well, it's going to be. That's a big moving target there because 80% means you think there's a high probability there's a recession. I do. We just, we just had an inverted yield curve. Um, we had such strong growth after the stimulus, after the shutdown. Wouldn't be surprised if we see a year or two of, of slower growth, but a recession, people, I think, mistake recessions for a bear market. Most most uh, recessions uh, come after a bear market, believe it or not. So by the time you're in a recession, it's a good time to buy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see declining GDP, at least in that sense. I don't know if it's going to lead to any sort of uh, you know drop in the market, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if we see declining growth. Mm. Uh, what, what do you What do you think, Andre? If you had to put an odds on it, are you I, like forty five percent? Forty five percent. Forty five percent. Okay. Yeah. So you think Leaning. there's a higher probability there's not going to be a recession than there will be one? Okay. Correct. Slightly better than a coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Humphrey says, how often do you guys dollar cost average into the market and why do you choose your interval? I'll let you guys take that one. Mm, that's a good yeah. question. I, I do it every day. Um, personally, I do a thousand a day into VTI. Uh, yeah. A thousand a day. Speaking about flexing. Holy <laughs> smokes, Come on. So, so out of touch, man. Uh, I know. I, you're the type of person to buy a Tesla because gas prices hit $6. <laughs> hey, well, wait a second. You I did. Friend, I was the one that told you this, you Grant. Did. Like, you did buy a gas Tesla. Gas prices are so expensive. You should just go buy a Tesla, guys. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? You'd be like, but guys, I already bought one. Should I buy another? <laughs> <laughs> I am over here with his four cars. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe about to be five. Sorry, I have to I I forget. I have to count. Have yeah. to count. <laughs> like on one hand. <laughs> yeah. So uh I do every day as well though. I yeah, like every, day. every day. Wow. Graham does two thousand dollars a day if anybody was curious, or three if it's a good day, you know, it just depends. Yeah. So, no, but uh for, for me, I I'm a little different since I'm an individual stock picker. So for me, I could not buy anything for a week, two weeks, a month. It depends. Um, and there's other time periods where I could put in, you know, buy like 10,000 at a time or, or 50,000. Um, so it really depends on movements of stocks, um, how much things are tanking at a given moment and kind of how much I've been plowing into the market. And I've been a super, I, I don't know if I told you guys this. I know I told I did a YouTube video on this uh, in March, uh, but basically I've went as close to all in the market as possible, which is I'm in the month of March. I've been the most invested that I've been since December of 2018 in terms of invested investable capital that's in the market. I've just, you know, when be, kind of beast mode. So, you know, I have a, maybe a little different approach. I think Graham and Andre are much more of a consistent approach. Um, I think I am a little, a little bigger of a risk taker when it comes to that. So, but, but uh, the, I think the follow up to that was, was why did we pick that interval? And I think for me, every day seems like the closest you can get to just true dollar cost averaging because you're spreading out your, I guess, no. risk evenly. Yeah. Um, whereas like if you did it every month or like it's still dollar cost averaging, but it's, I feel like every day is the truest representation of the word. Um, yeah. Ooh, good, good question for you guys here. Um, what do I do to prepare for a 45% recession possibility? Sell all my stocks um, and sit on cash. Mm, I mean, as long as you're not invested in really risky companies, you know, if, if, if you're all in one stock and that's like a volatile stock and you and you have no other cash to fall back on and you have high expenses, then absolutely, I'd probably de-risk a little bit. But assuming you're in a good company that, you know, and you have a job and you have cash on the side and you could weather a storm, I would do nothing. I would also say it depends on your age, too. Like the older you are, the more you might want to be thinking about moving it to a safer asset like bonds rather than, you know, if you're younger, you can take that risk and still keep investing. But if you're older and you're ready to retire and your target is, you know, conservative, then yeah, bonds. 
Oh, you know, this is a tough question somebody asked here. It says, do supply chains finally let loose uh, with Rona, uh, Roni Rona falling off a cliff? Do semiconductor pressures let off by the summer, fall of 2023? It's a tough question. And I'll explain it to you like this, okay? This is a proprietary uh, thing I came up with. It's kind of like you got a, a hot air balloon, okay? And the hot air balloon is, is kind of losing some... You guys must not have seen that video, never mind. But in all seriousness... Uh, <laughs> Some people are going to get with the joke I just made, but um, in all seriousness, it, it depends on so many different factors. Uh, China has been doing some more shutdowns recently of major cities. You know, that could screw up everything uh, in, in itself, right? And so a lot has to do with uh, Rona and, and kind of what happens there. Whenever the world gets back to normal and all these shutdowns end and things like that. And China takes it pretty much more serious than anybody. It's like they want zero cases constantly. So if there's any threat, they shut down an entire city. It's the most insane thing, right? Um, but until that happens, nothing will be 100% fixed until we get we get out of this scenario. And there's just no way you can predict that um, on, on exactly when that ends. You know, you would think it already should be ending, but then China just shuts down a, a major city. So not to mention Russia, right? So that it kind of plays into it as well yeah yes 100 percent um let's see this one says my account hit 550k last november then wow. in at the march lows which i would assume was march 14th because i think that's when the market bottomed it was 370k how do you deal guys deal with that those type of drawdowns mentally um so my, for my for myself personally, I usually deal with it in, in terms of like uh, drinking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I always I always think about it as like the long term, right? And so if a, if a stock price, if I log into my account and it says, you know, uh, $1,000, let's say, right? Okay, it says $1,000. If it says $800, should I feel worse about it? If it says $1,200, it, it doesn't matter in the short term because I'm a, usually a long-term investor. I'm thinking about investing in companies for several years out. It's not like I'm day trading in and out and I need my account to be at a certain value. So for me, regardless if your account says a little more money, a little less money, you're likely not selling that stock, right? Let's say you buy uh, Netflix stock for a long-term investment and you buy Netflix stock at 400. If Netflix stock goes down to 350, or it goes up to 450, it doesn't matter if you're planning on owning that stock till it's 800. It's just less in the short term. And if you're always in a position which you want to be in where you can buy stocks at the end of every month, you got more income than you do expenses, then if it's cheaper, then you should actually welcome that because you can buy more shares for cheaper. So um, that's usually how I think about it. I just bring it back to kind of the long term. Yeah, no, that's a good perspective. That's a great perspective too. Um, gosh, I feel like I've been in crypto for so long personally that I've, I've seen such crazy fluctuations that like, it doesn't really affect me as much anymore. Uh, my light just went out. <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't really affect me that much with crypto. Um, but I think Jeremy's right. Like long-term, if you plan on holding something, it just, it doesn't really matter. Just keep accumulating shares and not worry about the price too much. Um, yeah. As long as it's money that you're not risking, as long as, I don't know, I always invest something where it's like, I don't care what the price is going to be between now and 20 years. I, I just care like 20 years from now, is it worth more? Yes. Yeah. Then statistically, I'm going to make money as long as it's diversified. I, and if I, I thought, don't make money over a 20 year period, we probably got bigger problems on that. Yeah. I also thought about that quote where it's like, don't invest more than you can lose. But then the more you've been in the markets, the more it grows into, it's like, then it is money you're afraid to lose because it grows into a substantial amount. So it's just, it's not applicable. 
I like Don't that. Okay. <laughs> One more than you're willing to lose, but it's like, yeah, but after 20 years, it's a lot more than I'm willing to lose. It's a lot. <laughs> so Graham Fanass, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is like a long one, but he says if, if live streams don't continue, there'll be other membership benefits. Uh, sometimes we're going to have live streams still because, it, it, you know, for all three of us to be in Vegas at the same time, like sometimes we're just not going to be able to do in person. So, um, you know, when we can, we want to do in-person ones because I think it's a it's a better um, product. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we're going to do these. So um, it was another interesting one I saw here. Where was that one at? Uh, oh, man, I lost which one it was. But um, oh, dang it. And I put one up, Alex. I lost the one I was looking for here, man. So. Oh, that's an interesting one. What do you guys like there? Non uh, YouTube channels watch non fine non finance. You know, it's funny we're talking about the drama channels because I, I I watch the drama. Imagine we all just watch drama channels. Yeah, Andre. See, all we do is watch drama channels. I, so. I love that channel, Sunny V Two. Uh, he does like the rise and fall of like certain creators and they're so well put together. They're so well researched. He did like the rise and the fall of Island Boys the other day. And it was really good. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I like that. Island Boys get a lot of views, man. You put Island Boys in a title, you can get some views there. I do know that. Um, I actually love to watch uh, like Throttle House, uh, Car Wow, Doug DeMuro. Um, Doug I love DeMuro. car yeah. yeah, I love car channels. Uh, I surprisingly, I say surprisingly, this is totally not my demographic, but I like to watch Sniper Wolf stuff just because it's so like i don't have to think about anything it's like i just want to knock out and watch something funny that's silly so i'll watch her channel sometimes i watch pewdiepie from time to time um yeah those guys oh, of course mr beast mr beast is like ah, he's awesome I, lo I love his stuff um, my my channel's total running productions that's one of my favorite best, oh, cool. best track videos you'll ever see man the track uh, that's cool oh yeah. dude yeah I, I'm obsessed with, I'm going through a watch channel binge right now. Um, Teddy Balthazar. Uh, and, uh, like oh, yeah, Kevin, I, like, I like him. Yeah, him, yeah. his stuff, and like Kevin O'Leary when they collab, that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, mm. watch channels are fun. I'm like trying to go through my YouTube recommended right now, but it's just like some of these channels, I'm like, I would never watch these channels. Like, why is this popping up? So, um but sometimes it's just like you go on there and there's just an intriguing title, you know, and it's like, ah, oh. like there was one I watched recently. It was why, uh, what did it say? Why 70% of the apartments on Billionaire's Row are empty or something like that. You know, it's just mm. like, oh, it's such a good title. Like, I just got to watch this video. It's <laughs> you know? are they empty? You got to tell us, Jeremy. Oh, no, you got to go watch that video. It's only oh. 12 million people have seen it so far. So <laughs> you got you to gotta watch it. Uh Oh, and then sometimes I'll get these random videos recommended that, that are fun. You know, like this one, Stock Market Crash 2008, where it goes through like a montage, like, a, a, you know, like showing all these different clips from like CNBC from the time periods of the stock market crash and whatnot. It was just fun videos. So that doesn't um, sound non-finance related, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry. I watch a lot of finance stuff. And then I, obviously I'll see a lot of, oh, shoot. No, I can't talk about that. That's finance related as well um let's see so question millennial money more for graham and andre would you be interested in ever opening up a hobby store tabletop gaming video game collecting computer building i would say no but let me hear you Dude, that's so crazy yeah, that, 
I, you asked that because I was just at a game shop the other just today. Actually, I was looking at PS two and PS one controllers and I wanted to buy a retro gaming console. And I was like, I wonder if I would ever have a shop myself. And I was like, no, I don't think I could run one. I think the margins are just so small and like the, the customer base is just tiny. I don't think those guys are in business for very long or it's unfortunate because like I'm a, I'm a huge gaming nerd. If I never have time to play games anymore. Yeah, yeah. I like the margins. It's too, it's a lot of work yeah. and uh, not a lot of upside. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I hear you there. Um, oh, here's an interesting question. It says, um, when when are you when Graham and Andre are you guys buying tattoo chef stock? <laughs> when you uh, can question. When you convince Jeremy. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, 30 I, I minutes own, later. <laughs> I think I put 30K in Tattooed Chef a long time ago. I think my average on Tattooed Chef is like 14 something. And I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to leave it. Whatever happens, happens. I wait till it hits zero. No, wait. Dollar cost average. Dollar cost average, man. Hey, what, what kind of question is that, Alex? Come on, man. Come on. You got a dollar cost average these things. Imagine if I bought Bitcoin and I was like, I bought Bitcoin at 69000 And you guys- I mean, you, dude, well, why, you'd be buying for FTX, right? You're just going to dollar cost average with FTX? That's what you're going to do? Why, yeah. Why I, have I would love to, but 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 imagine if I was like, mm, you know, because this is this is what you guys always do. You're like, oh, I bought this stock at this price. And then you, you complain about it. And it's like, come on, man. You got a dollar cost average. Buy the Where dip. PayPal. Andre, buy the dip in PayPal. PayPal was 93 last week. I've never complained. I've informed. Okay. I've never complained. Oh, gosh. You got to buy these dips, man. You don't get these opportunities often. That's all I'm going to say. It's true. But I've noticed so many of the finance stocks I've invested in are just like proxies for Bitcoin. It's just everything <laughs> is following Bitcoin. And it's frustrating because I want to diversify and have non-correlated assets and everything is correlating toward bitcoin because everybody wants to be an all crypto all stock broker yeah I, it's true it's it's competitive it's competitive and it, by the way if you guys are ever want to set up an account make sure you do it with our link for ftx okay? yes sponsor, so. <laughs> exactly so, yeah but yeah right. any other questions anything else you guys want to chat about tonight yeah when are you selling your tesla plaid Jeremy. <laughs> my tesla plaid i would you know i would love to get a model y and switch out the plaid for a y but it's just dude i don't even know what the wait time is for a y right now it's ridiculous though from my understanding so it's like if you want to you know plaid the way i'd want one it's like insane so yeah i probably am going to keep the plaid for a long time because that like i said it, or i would love to get another x i would actually love to have a black x all blacked out and then the yellow one I would love to have two X's, but you know, yeah, it, you get, yeah. Try to get an X right now and see what happens. So <laughs> it, cool. it's, it's like a dream. So, but oh anywho, guys, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for FTX for sponsoring. We appreciate you as always. Make sure you guys use our link below. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you smash. Very important to smash. We appreciate you guys joining us each week. We'll be back. Uh, should do a, a proper episode in the beautiful studio that Mr. G Man has yes. for us. So, cool. Uh, Again, yeah. FTX is down below in the description. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to subscribe. I forgot that. I forgot to mention that earlier, guys. Subscribe, hit the like button, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. Cool.